Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. Seriously, if you want to relieve stress, go to the Word of God. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's just so weird, isn't it? Do people say stuff like that? I apologize for it. Are you kidding me? Let's all do baptism, and I have a little pool here, and we'll all feel nice and relaxed. That's baptism. No, baptism is a sacred Christian rite. All the various yogas are sacred Hindu rites. Wake up, America! It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, here we go then. It's the Wretched Radio Mail Call Delivery Bag what Q&A Infotainment Nationwide Extravaganza featuring your voicemails, correspondences, communiques, dispatches, memorandums, and missives. Any special message for all the kids watching at home? What we need right now is a clear message to the people of this country. You have 1,200 messages. That is a bit above average. Now here's your host, Todd Freakishly Tall Friel. The mail is here! Ooh! Stop. Why do I... What? <laughs> he returned to the motherland, and in a day, the accent returns. This is Wretched Radio. Have the privilege of preaching Sunday morning at Faith Bible Church in St. Paul, Minnesota. If you don't have a good church, join us. If you do have a good church, don't join us. You should stay at your Bible preaching church. Encourage your pastor. But if you happen to be in the wilderness, and I can understand that in the Twin Cities, join us. Faith Bible Church, St. Paul, Minnesota then. Jimmy, did I tell you about the wedding that I went to last Saturday? Uh, you did not. It was fascinating on so many levels. First of all, it was a lovely surprise to have good food. Because <laughs> I was... Banking on rubber chicken. It was really good food. Lovely ceremony. It was about Christ and the church. That's the ideal. That's what that's what makes a wedding great or not. That it reminds people about Ephesians chapter five. The man plays the role of Jesus. The woman plays the role of the church. We put the gospel on display when we love one another, serve one another, care for one another, honor one another. It is a beautiful thing, marriage. By the way. Speaking of marriage, there was another poll that came out that indicates people who are happier. This is not the first time that we've seen this. This was from in the year 2000. Okay, so they was talking about the year 2000. We should have been really happy. The whole Y2K thing was just a blip. Everything was going. Rob Thomas is singing smooth with Santana. It's everything is good in America. But people suddenly started to become less happy. After chugging along steadily for decades, American happiness began to decline in the year 2000, modestly but definitively. And this individual took a look at a number of meta-surveys to determine why. Why the sudden change from the University of Chicago after slicing the demographic data every which way, income, education, level, race, location, age, gender, this researcher found that this happiness dip is mainly attributable to one thing. Married people are happier and, married, and Americans aren't getting married like they used to. The only happy people for 50 years have been married people. And yet people continue to put it up. If you're young, uh, I, I don't know who told you that marriage is terrible. Can marriage be awful? Of course, anything can be terrible. Going to work can be just dreadful. Doesn't have to be. Going to the park can be a nightmare. The slide breaks, but it doesn't have to be terrible. Same thing is true with marriage. It is good. And 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 you will not you will not know profound things until you jump on the marriage train and start riding it. And you get and you get down the track further and further and further. It becomes more profound. And, and you experience things that are only available to you in the context of marriage. Is it a struggle? Yes, it's a school of character. It'll make you better. It'll make you look more like Jesus Christ. It is a good thing, so please do not delay. I know it's hard these days. Find yourself a godly person and marry them. By the way, Jimmy, it's not just hard in America. Uh -huh. Japan experiencing the same thing. Really? Yeah, Japan. So they've they've a company seeing the opportunity that young people are struggling to get married. So what they've done, this for instance from CNN is in the city of Osaka. A group of around 60 men and women have gathered 
for a session of omii, matchmaking, to find true love. They mingle away, hopping from one end of the conference room of the Commerce Building to another as they assess potential matches and the competition. Jimmy, you say, well, I think that's been going on for a long time. Here's the punchline. Uh That's for the parents! (laughs) The kids don't go because they just don't seem motivated or interested. So the parents are actually going to play matchmaker for their own children. It's not an idea I hate. The point is, it's even hard in Japan these days. I know it's a struggle, but it is so worth the effort to find a godly spouse, get married, and you will know indescribable blessings because it's God's institution and you do want to be institutionalized. So we go to this wedding. It's about Ephesians 5, but it was a blending of ethnicities. One family is from Boston. and. Every time they open it, they're the sweetest people. And every time they open up their mouths, I just stare at them. Kind of, I tip my head sideways like a dog and just go, because when somebody's, they've got a heavy Boston accent. And even if they're telling you, hey, if if you're looking for the food, it's over there. I hear, I'm going to kill you. That's just, they're the sweetest people. So you've got the Boston family and a Russian family. And it was so fascinating to watch the difference. Just it, it, it called, just cultural differences. The Russian culture versus an American culture, watching it come together and all be unified underneath the banner of Jesus Christ like only he can do. It was, it was a beautiful thing. So I get to be in St. Paul, Minnesota's Faith Bible Church Sunday morning. If you don't have a good church, join us, please, and I'll... Work on my accent. And please send whatever you want to to idea at wretched.org. Well, let's keep talking about weddings um, since you brought it up. Uh, Our first question is from Michael. He says, Todd, you've talked about Christians avoiding same-sex weddings to not affirm the relationship. Should the the same principle apply for attending the weddings of a heterosexual couple who've openly engaged in premarital sex? No, I don't think so. Well... what they were doing was wrong, but getting married is right. <laughs> even even pagans getting married is a good thing because I don't know if you read the survey, but the studies say it's, it's good for people and it's God's way of ordering the male-female relationship. So if somebody's been living in sin, they've been shacking up, but now they're going to say, I do and do it the way that God intended, that's something to celebrate. Now, maybe there's a detail I'm not aware of, but Jimmy, I'd attend a wedding like that. Yeah, I think the wedding actually stops the lifestyle yeah. of sin in this case. Yeah, so yeah. good news. I Unless I'm missing something here, I don't think you need to have apprehension about going to the marriage. You, you go, and I hope the food is as good as the wedding that I went to last Saturday. <laughs> Idea at wretched.org. All right. Our next question is from John. He says, Todd, when you're on campus, I was thinking when you ask how many lies or how many things have you stolen, would it be better to just simply ask, have you ever told a lie? Would it be better? Would it be worse? I I don't don't know. Done that. You just kind of expedite the process. (laughs) Besides, lying is the one that everybody's quick to confess. You ask them about, well, you know, maybe I've stolen like a little thing here or there. Ever told a lie? Oh, yeah. And it's good to ask how many, because even one is worthy of damnation. So it's, I don't think it's better. I don't think it's worse. I think that if you can ask how many lies, how many things have you stolen? How many times have you taken the Lord's name in vain? Whoa, you have a massive sin debt. You're in big trouble. And then you can share the gospel with them. Idea at wretched.org. Okay, this was from Daniel, who said, Todd, I was recently promoted to the head to head the campus ministry at a college. The previous leader wasn't too involved, so it's a clean slate situation. And uh, right now I have weekly Thursday gatherings that are similar to a church service and some Bible studies through the week, but I feel overwhelmed. Mm. And I just wonder if this is sufficient. Any advice on how to effectively run a college ministry? Wow, there's a gazillion ways that you can do it. I think being present, sorry, I know that's kind of psycho jargon, but being with them, 
and and spending time with them. And I would say this, doing Bible studies, important. If you want to sing worship songs, cool. But I also know, and I, I know this sounds like, wow, what did we get all liberal or something? Conversations. These young people want to talk. They want to figure things out. I am fully persuaded that there is, we're watching a TV show and so far so good with no swearing, no sex yet. It's a PBS thing. And you're saying, yep, he's become liberal. He's watching. Wait, we got in the cable thing. We hit the, the PBS business. And it is about the crown prince of Norway from the 1940s. He and his wife, they loved each other. They had three or four children. World War II breaks out. And even though Norway is neutral, Adolf Hitler didn't care. And so he basically used Norway as a port so that he could have steel for ship, plane, tank building. And they and they were put in, under subjugation to Germany. And it was it showed the relationship between the son and the father and how the son was just longing for the dad to hug him, affirm him, tell him good job. When he lost him in the woods, thought he was dead and he saw his dad, the dad just goes, howdy, in Norwegian. But he did, and the son looked just, oh. And I thought, that that's like the kids on the university campuses. They just want to talk. If I were leading a campus ministry, it would involve worship, it would involve teaching, but a whole lot of talking. This is Wretched Radio. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. You know, what used to be a movie is now a sad reality. We're living in a world that's gone absolutely bonkers. So much so that six mads just aren't enough to describe it. Social media may be bombarding us left and right. Our Christian worldview may be under assault. But we have the dynamic duo of Todd Friel and Dr. Nathan Buznitz. And they're coming to the rescue with Wretched Worldview 2. Tackling 22 of those pesky, thorny, contemporary issues through a biblical lens, helping us to defend the biblical view on things like sexuality and gender, critical race theory, modesty and apparel, persecution, secular entertainment, environmentalism, 22 issues to be exact. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to wretched.org, grab your copy of Wretched Worldview 2. And hey, while you're there, snag that study guide too, because it's the perfect companion for navigating this mad, 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 mad world with wisdom and grace. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds, 54,000 babies were saved, 69 ultrasound machines were placed, 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries, very busy, saving babies, saving souls. Would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Ambrose was the Bishop of Milan in the fourth century and one of the four original doctors of the church. 
he defeated Arianism by appealing to scripture and using well-reasoned arguments. Ambrose reminds us that a faithful teacher is a blessing to generations of Christians. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. See you Sunday. Perhaps if you're in St. Paul, Minnesota, Faith Bible Church, I get to teach and preach. And if you do not have a good church, look forward to seeing you Sunday morning, Faith Bible Church, St. Paul. And looking forward to seeing everybody there. This is Wretched Radio. Uh, What's on your mind? We'd like to hear about it, whether it is a story, an article, something wretched. Send it. It's a question, comment, conundrum, snark. Send it to idea at wretched.org. Now, this one's from Joel, who says, uh, Todd, my wife and I are several thousand dollars in debt. We could pay it off in four to six months instead of 12 to 15 if we paused our tithing. Mm -hmm. But this idea almost feels sinful. How should we approach the issue of debt and tithing in a biblical way? I think you can do either or in this situation. Let me explain the or. Because I don't think that you can rightly give if you are in an unsecured debt situation. I I think that there's a vast difference. It's not a biblical distinction, but I think it's a wisdom issue. When you've got a secured debt, especially something that is an appreciable asset as opposed to a depreciating asset... I I don't see that as as debt because it's managed, it's secured, it has a backing. It's it's the other debt. It's the credit card stuff, the trips, it's the buying of the stuff, eating out, and yikes, we got to pay that thing back and we got nothing to show for it. And we actually are running in the red, Joy Behar. You're running, you're running a negative deficit. I don't think that you have money to give. And so there's nothing wrong with not giving what you don't have to get out of debt as quickly as you possibly can to set your mind on getting out of debt. Then when you've got money, you can give what you desire to give. Having said that, would I say it's a sin to keep on giving and and then pay it off in a longer period of time? Ah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that's a sin to do that. I just think that there would be some wisdom in just getting rid of that burden so that you can give unencumbered and joyfully. I don't I don't think it's an either or. I think it could be a both and. Jimmy, you got anything to amend to that? No, I don't. That's that's a pretty good way to look at it. I mean, I, I would I would say that it would be um it would probably be like you said wiser to get rid of the debt. Um but I mean, I see both sides of it. I Sometimes when we have to think through these issues, what really helps me now, I, I there's a fine line here where you can compromise truth because of relationship, but giving a generic answer about an unknown couple and just this is the way that I think it should be. I, I think it gets I think I think it gets. See, these words are dangerous because there's always a a landmine waiting for you if if you look beyond what the Bible teaches. But having said that, to not be aware of real people in real circumstances dealing with real issues, uh, what their walk is like, what their maturity rate is, what the actual payoff plan is, I, I don't I don't think that that is to be pastoral, to overlook that. So watch out when you're when you're confronted with these things that we don't speak so brashly and definitively without consideration. And having said that, on the other side, don't let your consideration, your relationship, supersede what is true and right. So I would have to say on an issue like this, the Bible has actually dealt with it quite clearly in Romans 14. And 1 Corinthians 8 through 10. It's a gray area. And so I might be willing to say, I think it might be wiser to do this, but I wouldn't just bang my fist on a table and say, you got to do it this way. Idea. Jimmy, you know what I'm talking about? Uh Uh-huh. See, for instance, you can talk about somebody whose teachings that you disagree with. All right. And, and, And there they are. And you got problems with them. But then you meet the author. And you maybe experience something with them that doesn't quite match their writings. How do you weigh that? Now, I don't think you tip the scale to, well, we'll just let it go because it's a really crummy book. 
but they're very nice. No, I don't think we should be doing that would be a mistake. But I also think it's a mistake to remove the human component from our consideration, our weighing of the issues. And believe me, our scales can tip very quickly either way if we're not careful. In other words, um, discernment is, is a big deal. Discernment isn't something that should just be because this is the way I feel about something. There's considerations, there's rules that are involved, and finding that balance between being loving and speaking truthfully, I got to tell you, if, if, if you don't think that that's a struggle, I would suspect you haven't struggled at all to find the balance. If you don't even know what that struggle is, because, well, I... I just know these things to be true. Um, you, you might want to just ask yourself and maybe ask your friends, your family, your church members, am I speaking truth in love? Idea at wretched.org. You know, that's, I mean, you just described my life. I spent years trashing you until I finally met you. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I deserve trashing, then I'm, you should trash on. Yeah, no, I'm joking. But uh, look, it, that, that's, there's so many layers of discernment here. Are you talking about somebody who's orthodox or a wolf? You, you, you can meet a wolf and, they, well, you know what? I had no idea Ken Copeland was that nice. Doesn't matter. He's a wolf. Mm. He's bilking people. He's hurting people. He hurts people. He's hurting generations by siphoning off inheritance after inheritance. So I'd, I'd meet him, okay, but that's not going to affect my opinion about his teachings. Now, what if it's somebody who's not that? It's, it's just somebody who's in a different camp than you, but well within orthodoxy. I, 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 does that... Does that change the truth? No, it can't. But it might cause us to talk about that truth and disagreement in a way that tonally doesn't sound like we're addressing a wolf. In fact, I was thinking about Jude again. The, 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 the little epistle of Jude. Consider his aggressive attacks how stern he is. And we might be willing to use him to go, see, we can be that sharp. Hold on. Who was he addressed? Who was he talking about? These clouds that promise rain and never deliver. Who are these people? These aren't people in the camp. These are false teachers and they deserve, they have earned for themselves very stern rebukes. That's what we see Jesus doing with the Pharisees. But that doesn't mean that we can use Jesus and Jude, to say that we can be sharp and stern with one another. That's, that's very clear in the epistle of Jude. He's after false teachers, not after teachers that we think have a false perspective on something that does not affect orthodoxy. All that to say, it's the Bible is right. There's the understatement of the millennia. The Bible is right. Just being a little slower to listen, slower to, or slower to speak, and more eager to listen, making sure that we identify who it is that we're talking about. Talk about this in, in my book, Judge Not. A couple chapters on discernment. That's why I'm hoping to do a resource with Justin Peters. This is discernment isn't a gunfight. We're the first one to get the shot off. If, if, and, and I will say this, if you, and I'm not thinking of anybody in particular, but if, if you do YouTube videos or you blog and you feel like you've got to be the first guy to get on it, you're probably not discerning well. You, you, you got to think. You got you to work through some layers so that we can find that delicate balance of truth in love. Idea at wretched.org. All right, this is from Ann. Todd, what's your take on dress codes at church? Some folks say dresses and collared shirts are a must, while others think sweatpants are okay. Yeah. For me, being, in, uh, being there to hear the word matters more than what you wear. So what's your perspective? Well, my perspective is irrelevant because if it were up to me, we'd all be wearing the most formal wear we own. Why? Because we're going to see the king. 
we are going to visit the sovereign in a unique assembling of the saints in the most intense manifestation of God's presence on earth to return worship to him. He gives us the worship. We return it back to him. We get to use the loftiest form of communication, singing poetry to our great God and King. Why wouldn't we get dressed up for that? I know social norms are changing, but I still think, there's a reason social norms exist, even in some non-Christian countries when it comes to attire. I'm sure Japan, not Christian, but I'll bet if you're going to see the emperor or whatever their form of government is currently in Japan, you would be getting like you, they'd get dressed. Why? Because you, we, I think we know that that, that, uh, that individual is worthy of show, being shown deference and respect and honor by what we put on our backs. What that looks like in Hawaii versus Wyoming versus New York City, it absolutely can vary. But it is my opinion that we should dress our best because we are going to see the best. This is Wretched Radio. Books of the Bible. Exodus is a story of God saving his people from oppression and giving them an identity and an inheritance. God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, which begin with the statement, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Good deeds have always been a response to God's saving work, not a means of earning salvation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Oh, Jimmy, guess who I got to see? This is Wretched Radio. Can you guess? Can you guess who I got to see? Can you? Can you? Huh? I, I, I know. I the Martys. Oh. The Martys. The Martys, yeah. They're, they're St. Paul couple. They are the leaders of the fabulous Tomorrow Clubs. What a treat. I'm telling you. Wow, if you ever want to feel like a lousy Christian, spend some time with Paul and Cindy Marty. Because <laughs> these two, they work so hard to bring the gospel to Eastern Europe. And now they're in Africa and uh, they don't need to keep doing this. They don't need to. They want to. They want to see kids saved and families healed, churches strengthened. And I got to spend a couple of hours with them. I'll share our conversation with you another time, but so encouraged by them. And would encourage you, if you want to support their ministry to bring the gospel, Eastern Europe, hundreds and hundreds of kids clubs, weekly meetings where kids actually hear the gospel. They hear about repentance and faith. They learn the Bible and they get loved on, which is... Somewhat uncommon in Eastern Europe. They are also now in Africa. It's an outstanding ministry. Please visit tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched, and you will be blessed. And as long as you're at the internet, keep sending questions, comments, conundrums, or snarks to idea at wretched.org. All right, this one is from Richard. Todd, uh, for more than 10 years, my wife and I uh, attended a non-denominational church. It was really tough and felt uh, really cult-like at times. Now we're at a healthier church and we're working on recovering from our experiences. So I'm wondering, are there any resources we could tap into uh, that would promote healing and some and support our integration into our new church. Yes, they're found in Acts chapter 2. The early church, they assembled regularly, a lot. They were constantly getting together, and it really is worth asking the question, why? Why did these Christians want to hang out together so much? Well, consider what they were doing. We will call these the means of growth. In this instance, the means of healing. They were listening to the apostles' teaching, a.k.a. sermons. They were reading their Bibles. They were fellowshipping, talking about Jesus. Whoa, what's going on in your world? What's the Lord doing in your life? They were sharing their stuff, taking communion, witnessing baptisms, and they were getting strengthened, and they grew, and they wanted to be together because, well, this is my family, and that's what you're a part of right now, a family, and you're your past family, I'm sorry, they, they apparently were a bad family, but my encouragement to you is you found a good family, just keep exercising spiritual muscles via the means of growth. Just keep going, just keep serving, just keep being a part of it, and just keep participating in everything that you can. And, and those, those past experiences, they will dissipate. I might suggest a second thing. 
And that is that you actually, I know this isn't easy, forgive those folks who maybe didn't treat you well, or at least have a posture, a heart of forgiveness. A, it, whether they've repented or not, my heart is, uh, we're, we're releasing it. We're not going to bring it up. That's my attitude. You maybe don't have the transaction of repentance and forgiveness, but your heart, it is filled with forgiveness, even though they maybe treated you rather poorly. Third thing I might suggest, you're going you're gonna to have to start pushing yourself to be less skeptical. Now, I didn't say that having been burned someplace, you should enter into a new situation, a new church, and just go, well, I'm just going to forget and just trust everything. Well, I mean, we should be we should be trusting, but that trust can be earned, and that trust can build over time. So, my encouragement, thirdly, would be: don't remain skeptical. If you're seeing the good stuff, start going, okay, all right, and and don't don't automatically return to that posture of oh boy, these guys, what they're doing, the way that they run this place. Be careful that you don't just reflexively fall back into that. Increasingly trust, be less skeptical, and in a pretty short amount of time, if you're doing those things, ah, then you're just going to enjoy your Christian family. And please note, maybe this would be number four. Going forward, they're probably going to do something similar to what your old church did in some way, shape, or form. But if that's not the pattern, that's not the habit, you've got godly elders who are striving to do church in a New Testament kind of way, then you are in a good place. You are in a safe place. Please, you got anything else, Jimmy? No, I think that's good. I mean, I, I don't know if, I don't know if a particular book. I, I The forgiveness issue might be big, hmm. that you you could become bitter about that old church. You don't want that. So the forgiveness aspect, if you want to read any books, you could get Lou Priola's book on bitterness. It focuses on forgiveness. I know that there's been an awful lot of, you could go to our website, wretched.org, go to our store. I think there's a booklet even on forgiveness. Would you kindly check that out? I think there is, isn't there? You should know you're the one who voices the Transform <laughs> podcast, so. which by the way, Greg, 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 he just keeps killing it. The Transform Podcast. So good. You can find it on your Spotify, Apple, whatever it is that you use to listen to stuff. Transformed with Dr. Greg Gifford. So good. In fact, I think he's even got a, a series recently on forgiveness. Yes, some bitterness and forgiveness. Well, yes. well there, there's, there's our recommendation then for a resource. <laughs> find that podcast and send stuff to idea at wretched.org. All right. Uh, well, let's stay with this theme of uh, churches uh, real quick. Uh, this is from Chance who says, Todd, I'm in my mid-20s and I'm deciding between two churches in my new town that I've moved to. One is a very welcoming church, but it lacks people my age. The other has more people my age, but it feels less inviting. So how important is age demographic in choosing a church? Well, I'm perhaps going to encourage you and I'm not suggesting you haven't, because I, I know you're after the heart of this question. Which church is more biblical? That's the one you want to join. Which, which one strives to be Christ-like as a collective? Which one is preaching the Bible more faithfully? Th those are the criteria first. Now, let's then, for the sake of answering this question, say they're they're equal. They're they're both the same. Well, then I suppose at that point you would have a preference issue going on. You you're weighing two churches. Yep, nope. The pastors, they the elder. Mm -hmm, it's all. Yep, we're doing church discipline. Everything. Yep, mm -hmm, but. One feels a little warmer. The other one got a lot of people that could be, which one is more important to you? If you happen to be in a seat, I would not guilt you as if I could. Wouldn't guilt you if you're young. You want to be with younger people because, you know, you might want to marry one of them. I, w I don't think you should feel bad about making a decision to go there. Now, here's what you could do. If you go to the church because you want to try to have a better opportunity to find a spouse, you want more contemporary friends, Warm the place up. Be the influence. Be the one who makes the change. Start being the nice guy. And maybe just maybe it'll catch on. And then you can have your church and eat it too. That didn't work out exactly correct. So uh, let's clarify here because I didn't finish the question. Um, well, um, I thought you finished the I, question. I did, but, it, but there was one last little statement here. So he did say that uh, the church that was more welcoming, it lacked people his age. 
but it was the more Christ-like church. Well, there you go. Yeah. You want to you go there. You, look, you go visit the other church. Go to, you know what, go to their use stuff. See if you can say, do you mind if I join you for that? Because you want to do a little mixing and mingling? You want to do your little own eHarmony.com action there? Okay, then do that. But you want to you pick the church that is the most Bible-based. That's the number one criteria. If you hadn't left that out the first time, sorry. we wouldn't have had to retill that soil. I'm sorry. Idea at Richard.org. All right. This one's from George. Todd, is it biblical for women to pursue men romantically? He said, a friend argued that it isn't in God's design for women. He says, but from my perspective, I think mutual pursuit is important in a relationship. Well, okay. Um, we got to ask ourselves the question, what Bible, we're looking at explicit, okay, not implicit, explicit text. What Bible verse says that the man should be the one who is the first one to indicate interest? I don't have that verse. I don't. Uh, in fact, boy, rattling around somewhere in the Old Testament in my brain, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of a woman who, Esther, <laughs> you, you, you could, I think, rightly argue she was the initiator in a really powerful kind of way. I just don't think that we see any sort of definitive uh, tipping of the ball in the Bible that says the man must be the one. No. I understand why it's like, well, you know, he should be because he's the one who's going to be the spiritual leader. I get that. But I don't think his position is compromised because the woman expresses some interest or or gets the relationship aimed at a certain direction. Jimmy, can you think of anybody? No, I'm, I'm just no. trying to think of. I don't think that from any historical narratives, I would bang my fist on the deal. No, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't either. No. Here's something to note, however. Could it be, not definitively, but could it be that a woman who is being the more aggressive party, and I don't mean that negatively, that that maybe is a marker that there is going to be some challenge for authority? It could. It could. But it doesn't have to. So, especially in, not to change truth based on the times, but these days... Oh, I don't think I'd blame a young lady if she identifies a young man who might have some potential these days. Don't <laughs> blame her for trying. <laughs> this is Wretched Radio. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry. Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry. 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-BIBLE. Hey, hey, thank you so much for listening to Wretched Radio today. Quick question. Do you remember the last time you donated to our ministry? Well, if you can believe it or not, we do. And it's your generosity that has helped us produce programs like Wretched, Road Trip to Truth, and Transformed. Would you please consider becoming an ongoing monthly Wretched Gospel partner? Our goal of standing firm in the gospel and reaching millions of people has not changed. But the cost of doing so kind of has. And that's why we need your help on an ongoing monthly basis. At Gospel Partners Media, that's us. We believe in creating culturally compelling, biblically sound, and gospel-centered productions. We steward God's money as if eternity depended on it, because quite frankly, it does. We can't do this alone. We cannot. We're a nonprofit organization, so we rely on your kindness and generosity. Visit wretched.org slash donate or text the word wretched to the number 44321. Wretched. Amazing grace. 
amazing gospel. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles and the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines, but they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org slash Bible, wretched.org slash Bible to join the Master's Academy International. Attributes of God The Bible tells us of God's goodness. God does not measure up to an external standard of goodness. He is the standard. Because everything God does is by definition good, we can trust that God will do what is right in every situation. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. <laughs> Back at you, sir. This is Wretched Radio. It's an amazing phenomenon. I know it's my subjective experience, but I'll talk to young women, godly young women, and they lament, where are the godly young men? But then I talk to the godly young men, and they ask the exact same question about women. Uh, I hope this is an encouragement. If you're looking for a spouse and not finding one, I, I think both godly men and godly women are out there. These days, it is just hard to find them. Our social structures have broken down. The way we communicate, the way we travel, uh, the way the way that we order our lives, it is just not as amenable to finding a spouse as it once was. So I, I, I feel the struggle for you, but I would encourage you and say they're out there because I, I meet godly girls, I meet godly boys, they're looking for spouses. You're just, you're just going to have to do what you got to do to find them. And that is why if you happen to be one of those young people who is averse, you just oh, I get the shingles over the thought of a dating system or service, the Christian mingle or e-harmony business. I'd encourage you to get over that. I meet a lot of young people who are happily married who have met through those systems. You kind of need them these days. They're not for losers. Uh, it's 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 casting your net into a bigger pond. What if what if there's a godly person that they 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 live six miles away from here? You're never going to bump into them. Never sixty miles, six hundred miles away. You're never going to bump into them. I don't think that there's anything shameful or negative about a good Christian dating service. Just make sure you use it well. You know, once again, you could listen to the Greg Gifford series on dating. Super helpful. He did something really interesting, Jimmy, when he was talking about dating. He actually started, He, I don't think he was making a law, but he kind of put, look, if you, you start dating somebody, you are definitely on the acquaintance level, not even the friend level. So what are you doing at that first cup of coffee talking about whether you want to have kids or not? What, yeah. That's weird. Don't do that. Just they're an acquaintance. That's all they are. Now they get into the friendship zone. And presumably they're a brother or sister. They're always in the brother or sister zone. Don't don't ever forget that. That's why, young man, when you're dating a, a godly girl, she's your sister. You have no conjugal rights. None. She's your sister. Treat her. Like she is that. And then, but did Greg Gifford went on to say, if after, you know, pushing a year, if you're not having conversations about the future and married life and kids and family, he said, something's off. Some, some, then something's wrong. Then you're, one of you is stringing somebody along here. Either, either step up or move on and release the other person. And another piece of advice that he gave that I thought was super smart. By the time you go to the altar, no secrets have not been shared. None. You have, you've told everything that you can think of. 
oh, I didn't tell you about my student loan debt. <laughs> Let me smash the cake in your face. Uh, you tell them everything. You, 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 you share anything. And that even means it is wise, not on a salacious level, but you do need to talk about intimate histories. You do, because they're coming with you. You're bringing them in. So you might as well get it. And you never have to talk to them, talk about them again. Can I just share with you, if I could make a rule about being married, Jimmy, this is the one that I would make. Because it's already been talked about to ever. This is this is my this is my Todd. You want to stay married happily forever? Don't talk about past boyfriends and girlfriends. I always find that so jarring. A couple that's been married for like 20 years. Well, you know, I remember when I was dating this girl in college and there's the white. I just go, yeah, get those things off. Put them on the table, clear them off and don't reintroduce them again. And please send whatever to idea at wretched.org. Let's stay here because this is an interesting question from Sam. Now, he has an interesting question. I thought you were trying to get away with not doing a question. No, no, no. You're going to do your little Jimmy trick. (laughs) No, no, not right now. Um, He says, uh, Todd, as a single man who has an overwhelming desire for marriage, how can I be content with being lonely and single? And a better question would be, how can I believe God is enough? Mm-hmm. Well, don't ask Dennis Prager. <laughs> he doesn't think God is sufficient to the task of keeping us from being lonely. <laughs> How do you keep marriage from being an idol? You exalt Jesus. You make sure if you are currently needing to get married, then repentance is is needed. If you need it, I got. I need this. I got to get married. Uh-oh, it's it's elevated too high or it's devolved too low. It's gone from a perfectly biblical want to a need. That means you're going to start sinning. So you just have to repent, grow in your love for Jesus, trust him. He does give the desires of our hearts. Now, sometimes he's got better things for us. Nevertheless, you can know that he is the God who hears. He is the God who is sufficient for you. And if you're putting something before him, then repent. Make sure that he's in first place and trust him and join eHarmony.com. It's what you should do right <laughs> there. Are you done with the dating marriage business? Uh, yeah. I, I, by, the, by the way, I'm sorry. I, I can't help but just offer this as a potential. Jimmy, would you read the beginning of that letter again? Uh, about the about the I really want to get married. Yeah, a single man who has an overwhelming desire for marriage. Okay, right there. Mm-hmm. Overwhelming. Okay, it's gone too far. Second of all, what is that desire exactly? What are you desiring? Is it mere lust? Okay, you can desire a spouse because of conjugal rights that come with it. But if that's what is driving your desire for marriage, you've got to reorder your priorities. You've, you've just got to, you've got to take some time, think these things through, spend time with an older man who can talk to you about intimacy issues and what they look like at various stages in your life and what role they play, because they do play a role to say that intimacy, well, that, that's, that, that's not the big stuff. You just want to make sure that everybody... Loves the Lord. Well, hold on. Uh, That stuff is important because it does bring us together, and it is a picture of the gospel in a non-sexual way. So it's not nothing, but you need to understand its place. And it's not, intimacy isn't the thing that's going to keep your marriage together. In fact, you won't be having much of it if you aren't together. If you're fighting, there's acrimony. There's constant bickering. Um, that act that you so overwhelmingly desire, well, guess what? You are not going to have your desires satisfied. So it plays a role. It just shouldn't be the overwhelming desire. I'm not sure that's in view for you, young man, but just food for thought. Idea at wretched.org. Okay, so now you bring that up. I'm not done with the dating questions. Here it is. <laughs> no, we have another one that, that I thought was relevant here. This is from Anonymous, who says, Todd, how do you think it best to make sure one doesn't fall into the sin of lust while dating and engaged? Yeah, it's not easy. Mm. It's just, it is not easy. 
Do you remember maybe some of these old movies that couples, they were never alone? And we look at that and think, oh, wow, how puritanical, how wise. I'm, I'm not saying you got to do it. I'm just saying how wise. It's really easy for that to become an issue. But that kind of begs the question, because on the one hand, you don't want to sin sexually. On the other hand, um, intimacy is a thing. It's a it's a component of marriage. All right. Just as you would consider somebody's godly attributes, you can also shorter list, not nearly as important, physical attributes, how they look. Are you sexually attracted to them? So you can have those thoughts. You got you just got you just got to draw such a stark line and don't let your brain cross that line into fantasizing thinking about it, uh, maneuvering for it. You're going to have to work on that because it's, it's I, I've seen the evangelical ditches. Never think about, for shame. Well, hold on. Just, just because you're aware of the issue, it is a component of marriage. It is something that God gives to us to cleave together one flesh union, intimacy for procreation, for a picture of the gospel, for partnership, it's, it's, it, for pleasure. It's there. You've got to guard your heart. You've, you've got to have people in your life, a.k.a. the local church, who can, hey, bro, how are you doing in that area? How are you, are you thinking about that? And this, boy, if we could do anything in the church, how, how glorious would this be? Older women with younger women, older men with younger men, helping them sort through this and work through this and holding one another accountable. So think it through. Be aware of it. Make sure it's tempered. Make sure it's guarded. Don't ever let it dip down to the level of salacious or fantasy. She's a sister in Christ. She's a, she, ain't, she ain't nothing more than a friend at this moment. Would, would, would you think like that about a friend? You go, whoa, no. Exactly. And you shouldn't be doing it with her. Would you think about doing that with some woman at your church? Whoa, no. Then you shouldn't be thinking like that about her. I hope you're done with the dating business. Until tomorrow, go serve your king.